Now today, we're going to talk about another passage that we normally, we would read, familiar passage, we would read this passage and we would skip this part. We, or we would read this part and it doesn't really grab us. And the title of my sermon this morning is The Longer Route. The Longer Route. Now, um, it's about directions, it's about journeys. Um, now, there was an Englishman who was traveling uh, in, uh, in Ireland. And he was, he, went to, he was in this very rural, very small little village. And he was quite lost. He was trying to get to Dublin. And so he stopped the car. He saw an, an elderly man by the roadside, an Irishman. <coughs> and he stopped the car. He wound down his, wind, his, his glass and he turned to the man and said, Excuse me, sir. Could you please tell me the way to Dublin? And the Irishman looked at him and uh, quizzically, and he asked the Englishman, how are you going to Dublin, sir? By foot or by car? And the Englishman looked at the Irishman and said, I'm going by car. And the Irishman shook his head, that would be the fastest way, sir. All right. Um, the longer route. Now, I'm just going to read a passage, a familiar passage from the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 13. Okay, I'm reading from the voice version, right? The voice version. Uh, Exodus chapter 13, reading from verse 17. After Pharaoh sent the people out, God did not take them by the coastal road that runs through the land of the Philistines, even though that was the nearest and easiest route. Instead, God said, for if they see battle with those contentious Philistines, they might regret their decision and then return to Egypt. So God chose a different, longer path that led the community of his people through the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites marched out of the land of Egypt like an army ready for battle. Now, whenever we read this passage, what comes to mind is always the fact that God took them out and then God parted the Red Sea and they left. And the children of Israel were safe. Now, I wonder if we've ever noticed this little phrase. There was a shorter and easier route to the promised land, but God did not take them that way. He took them through the longer, more difficult route. Why, did, why does God do things like that? You know, the, the, the shorter route was much easier. They wouldn't have needed to traverse across rivers and there was no Red Sea for them to contend with. It was a straight walk into the promised land. But there are some reasons for that. Now, I just want to look at the passage again, all right? Uh, Exodus chapter 13. And this is what happened. I wanted to just notice these things. And I, there are just four points here, all right? Uh, number one. God frees us from our past. God frees us from our past. This happened immediately. The moment the Passover was over, the night before, in the morning there was wailing across the land, the entire land of Egypt, because all the firstborn sons were dead. And there was wailing, there was mourning in the land. And Pharaoh's hard heart was crushed because he lost his son. And Pharaoh allowed the children of Israel to leave. Now, Moses did not go back to the children of Israel and say, Look, I'll give you three days to pack up and let's go. No, it was that same day they left. 
Immediately after the release, God took the Israelites out of Egypt. It was immediate. There was no hanging around to say goodbye to neighbors, no hanging around to reminisce. After all, this was their home for 420 years. It was Joseph that was in Egypt 400 over years earlier. And he, when there was a famine that hit uh, the land of Israel, he got his people, his family to come and stay with him. And that was 420 years ago. And the Israelites were there in Egypt for 420 years. That's a long, long time. Many generations after. All of them knew no other home except this. So when God says that, Let's go. He didn't give them time to sit around, to reminisce, to say, oh, I'm going to miss this place. Uh, no time to pack up the accumulated stuff that they had over the years. No, no such thing. It was immediate. It was immediate. Then the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 4, it is the same with us. It is the same with us. Galatians chapter 4 verse 3. And it says, we were once like children. Slaves to the useless rules of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son who was born of a woman and lived under the law. And God did this so he could buy freedom for those who were under the law and so we could become his children. We were like this. We were like slaves, like the children of Israel was. And when God calls us out of our bondage, out of our sin, out of our slavery, life of slavery, there's no time for us to sit down and reminisce. No time for us to say, wait, 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 let me, let, let me think first. Wait, 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 let me say goodbye to my old life. Wait, 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 let, let, I, I need to settle this or settle that. No, it's immediate. You, you are asked to immediately leave the land of bondage. You're asked to immediately leave your past behind. But that's the life I'm used to. That's the only life I knew. I'm always like this. I've always been like that. Listen, I want you to know this. The Bible says that we are like that. We were slaves once, but God has called us out because Jesus came to free us so that we could become his children. You see, our past does not tie us to our future. It doesn't. It doesn't. We always think that we are like this because of what happened to us in the past. You may have a sorry past, a sordid past even. But I want you to know when God called you out, that past is behind. And God is interested in not just your future, but God is now interested in your identity. You are children of God now. And so your past does not identify you, who you are today. Your past does not identify, because God has called you out of that. The second point is this, that we find that God closes doors for our protection. God closes doors for our protection. Now, there was a shorter route, an easier route, the Bible says. But God chose to lead them to the longer route. Why? Because God wanted them to avoid the Philistines who were living in the path of the shorter route. Now we also read that passage that the children of Israel left Egypt like an army. 
they thought, no, whoo, wow, just watch all that God has done, the ten plagues, we are leaving, nobody can stop us, and, and, and they left like an army. But, the, but God knew they were not ready to fight anyone yet. God knew that. They were not ready. They were never soldiers. They were never warriors. They were slaves. They were slaves. For 400 years, they were slaves. God knew that. God knew that when they came up to the Philistines, and this was way before David's time when there were giants, there were probably giants there already. God knew if they came up to the Philistines and they started, and there was a war, the children of Israel wouldn't have been able to do anything. They would have been so discouraged, so down, because they, they were not equipped to fight. Not yet, anyway. And they would turn around and say, we want to go back. They were not ready to fight. So God closed the door for their protection. And they had a tendency, the Israelites, and you read through the scriptures, we find that so true. They had a tendency to reset when faced with difficulty. When they were even at the shores of the Red Sea and the marauding Egyptian army was coming toward them, they could see a cloud of dust kicked up by the horses and the chariots. And they turned to Moses and said, why, why, why are we here? We should never have left Egypt. Let's go back. We don't mind going back to be their slaves. They could go back. And they wanted to go back. And, and we read this in Scripture. They had a tendency to reset. And sometimes it happens to us. God will close the door for our protection because we have a tendency to say, I thought God would, God would, would, would help me to, to, to get this job, help me to get that promotion. I'm, I'm, I'm so discouraged. Uh, what's the point? I will go back to my old life. And we have a tendency to do that. But you know what happened? God opened the Red Sea, of course. And the children of Israel went through on dry land. They came out on the other side. And then the Egyptian armies continued to pursue them, went on to dry ground. When they were in the middle of the sea, God closed the sea back. And the Bible says not even one Egyptian survived. Not even one. It must have been quite a sight the next morning. The shores of the Red Sea on the other side. Chariots were washed up. Carcasses of horses. The bloated bodies of men who were once soldiers. And then the glinting of, of a signet ring in the sun. Still on the bloated finger of Pharaoh. The whole army died. But you know what? This is another thing that we sometimes we don't notice. Now the children of Israel could not turn to Moses and say, Okay, all our enemies have died. Let's go back to our home. They couldn't because the Red Sea had closed. And there was no going back. We sometimes forget to see this. We only talk about, okay, they're going. The Lord had done a great miracle and that's it. The children of Israel are free now. and They, can. they couldn't go back now. Because the sea wasn't open anymore, it was closed. And sometimes God closes doors behind us so that there's no going back. There's no turning back. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about closed doors sometimes, that we cannot go back. I look at my life and I, you know, there were things that I could have done, but I'm glad those doors were closed. I'm glad, I'm thankful to God. Because I know those doors, if they were open, I would have gone back. And it wouldn't have been good for me at all. 
The third thing is God equips us for His purpose. God equips us for His purpose. Now, there are always two views, two perspectives in our lives. Our view and God's view. The direct route may make more sense to us, but God's purpose was to offer them far more. Listen to this. God's purpose was to offer them far more than merely a parcel of land that he promised. We always think it was always about the promised land. It wasn't. Church, it wasn't. Because God was about to completely transform their identity. They were slaves. That's all they knew. But now God wants them to be free people. It was not about the destination. It was about their destiny. It was never about the destination. It was always about their destiny. You see, God uses our journey. Our journey. The victories and even the abject failures and setbacks that we experience to equip us for something we may feel that we are ready for much earlier. But in actual fact, we were not ready. He uses our journey. He uses my journey. It was never about where I was going. Never about that. It was always about who I am becoming, who I have become. That's what the journey is all about. If it's only about the place, it would have been a slightly better than what it was. But it was about them discovering a whole new identity of who they are as the people of God, as the children of, of, of the people of God. Now that's the same with us. Sometimes God takes us the long route. There could be a shorter route, an easier one. But if he's going to equip us for his purpose, if he's going to teach us what it means to embrace our identity, if he's going to teach us not just to focus on the destination, I want you to step into your destiny, then the longer route it's necessary. The longer route is necessary. The fourth thing is this. God leads us in His paths. His paths. And that's why He takes us down the longer route. Those are His paths. You know, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 46 verse 10, the, sec the last part of verse 10, when I, God says, when I plan something, it happens. What I want to do, I will do. And then Isaiah 55, verse 8, says this, verse 8 and 9. The Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not, your ways are not like my ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. Higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's ways are different. God's paths are different. What makes sense to us, God knows better. You see, this is what I would call the scenic route. The scenic route. There's always, there's always a straight route and a scenic route. You know, when we go 
traveling, for example, we join a tour, all right, uh, and we, or even when my family went to Tasmania, I, I, we hired a car and I drove, and you know, there's a straight road. We are going from this point A to point B, and we're heading there, and as we drive along the, the wonderful highways, suddenly we see a little sign that, uh, an arrow pointing to the left saying, scenic route, and I would stop the car, we would look, and that road looks not, it doesn't look good at all. It doesn't look paved like the way, you know, the, the road that we are on. It looked, it looked smaller, it didn't look very well maintained. Um, but the signboard says scenic route. So we have a choice whether to take the scenic route or go on the shortest distance. And every time we took a scenic route, we never regretted it. Because that scenic route was gorgeous. We, we would have missed it if we have kept on. The, the well-used and well-worn highways. It's the same with Europe. You know, sometimes you, when we go traveling sometimes, the tour guide, the tour guide would tell us, uh, okay, we're going on the way to the next city. And then he would stop the bus in the middle of nowhere and says, oh, get down, okay, we're going to go for this little tour in this, it's almost like off the beaten track. And it's there where you find the little gems, you know, on your travels. And you realize that, yes, I'm paying the money, but <laughs> I'm not the boss. The schedule is planned by the tour director. We don't dictate the course, but the tour director knows best. The tour director would take us to places we never would have seen or never would have experienced um, on our own. The tour director knows best. What are the little gems that we would have missed if we were on our own? And the tour director takes us off the well-beaten path to areas that we would never have been able to explore. And, uh, and, and, and we come away from the place having a lifetime of memories. And God is like that. Four little things about the scenic route, okay? The scenic route is always longer. Always longer. We look at the lives of people like Abraham. And God first told Abraham, you're going to have a son and you'll be a father of many nations. Abraham was 75 years old. Can you imagine? He was an old man. His wife was 65. And he said, you, you waited 75 years to tell me this? But he didn't do that. And then when the boy came, he was 100. That was 25 years later. Can you imagine? When he was 87 years old, he said, 12 years ago, God told me I'll have a son. And he had to still wait another 13 years. And I'm sorry, he still had to wait another 18 years before it happened. 25 years later, Isaac was born. Joseph, God came to him in a dream telling him he would be a ruler when he was a small boy. And then his brother sold him. He became a slave. And then he worked in the household of a, of a nobleman, Egyptian nobleman. And then he was framed by the nobleman's wife. He ended up in prison. There was delay after delay. It was a long route when finally he became ruler. David was a boy, a lad, when the prophet Samuel anointed him. But he became a king only when he was 30. In the meantime, he had slayed giants, he had been acknowledged as the heir apparent and then had to flee for his life, became a fugitive for many years as the king pursued him, intending to kill him, murder him, so that his position was secure and safe. It didn't happen overnight. It won't happen for us too. 
See, the, the scenic road always has lots of twists and turns. Lots of twists and turns. And sometimes that's what God needs to put us through because we may think we are ready. David was ready to kill a giant, but he wasn't ready to be king. We may think we are ready, but God says, no, I need more time on you. You need to learn who you really are. You need to be able to give, leave your past behind. This is not about how well you do something. It's not about your talents or your gifts. It's about who you are, who I've made you to be. The fourth thing, God leads us in his path. The second, the th the sec sorry, the second thing. The scenic route is not always the most efficient way. This is purely from our perspective, of course. From our perspective, there is an easier way. There is a faster way. Why didn't God choose Abraham when he was in his 30s or in his 20s? Wouldn't that have been better? He would have been young. He would have been virile. He would have been you know, ready to take on the world. And, but God didn't. God waited 75 years before God first told him and then another 25 years before God gave him his child. And I wonder whether Abraham had ever sat down and thought and said, all those wasted years, were they really wasted? And I have very often asked God, I've questioned God, I, I'll be honest with you, Lord, why did you wait so long for this to happen to me? I could have done it when I was much younger. I was, I was ready for it. I, I was active. I was ready, Lord. Why did you wait till I'm now? I'm much older. I'm a little bit slower. I'm a bit more cautious. <clears throat> when I was young, I would have jumped into it, trusting you wholeheartedly. Why did you wait when I was so old? I knew my calling when I was young. I knew. God had already impressed on my heart. But Lord, why did you wait? All those years I could have served you far better. Wasted, wasted years. But you know what? If God is directing, it's never wasted. Never wasted. Never, ever wasted. All those years, Abraham had to discover who God was. Who he was. David had to discover that it wasn't about his good looks. Because the king before him, Saul, was basically chosen because he was tall and good looking. David was good looking, but that's not the reason he was called. There were other reasons. God had to mold him and shape him all those years in his, when he was running and hiding in caves so that one day God could turn around and say, this is a man after my own heart. Saul of Tarsus, on fire for God, met Jesus on the road to Damascus and Jesus transformed him and he was ready to go. But God said, wait, go to Arabia, stay there for three years, learn first. And then three years were done, and then God says, no, wait in Tarsus for another eight years. Eleven years before he was finally released to go and pursue his calling. There's a necessity in long years sometimes, waiting it out, waiting it out. The angel told Joseph, you'll call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then there was silence for 30 years before Jesus was finally released to pursue his, his calling. 
The third thing about the scenic route. The scenic route is the most difficult. The most difficult. It is bumpy, uncomfortable. There are potholes, even landslides. You know, uh, that's the scenic route. It's always less comfortable than the well-worn route, well-worn highways that one would take that is paved, like barring one or two toll booths. But it's, it's an easy drive. But the scenic route, not comfortable at all. You know, in Maui, and I'm sure those of you who have gone, Dr. Sean would know, there is a very scenic road to a place called Hannah. I've never been on that one. I plan to do it one day. Apparently, it's one of the most beautiful scenic routes in the world. Also one of the most dangerous because they are sheer cliffs. Um, and sometimes the road is so narrow that only one car can pass uh, on bridges. And there's a sign at the beginning of the road to Hannah that says this. Directions, turn left, then turn right, and repeat 652 times. That gives you a little bit of an idea of how to get to Hannah. Not a comfortable journey, but apparently everybody who has gone and come back, has they only describe it one way, wow, you should never miss this. The scenic route is the most difficult. I look at my life and it's the same thing. Sometimes God takes me down paths that are uncomfortable and difficult. Some things I, I wouldn't ever wish on anybody else. But what did, why did you put me through that? Why did I have to face this? Sometimes it could be a disappointment. Sometimes it could be a, a betrayal. Sometimes it could be people turning, turning on you. Sometimes it could be a rumor that is passed that's absolutely untrue. Uh, why, Lord? You know that I've done this with a pure heart. I've, I've really done this because I loved you and I loved the church. Why did, why did this have to happen? I'm so, so deeply hurt. And then I realized that God has his ways. This is his scenic route for me. It's uncomfortable. The ride is bumpy. There are potholes that I get into. There are sometimes even landslides, and I come to areas where I say, I can't go on anymore. And God says, just wait. It will clear. And then you wait. And it's, waiting is sometimes so difficult to do. You want to do something. But God says, just wait. I need you to wait. But you know, when you come through that, that strip, that scenic route, and you come on the other side, you turn and you look back. And, you know, I've told my wife this sometimes, and I said, if I had to do this all over again, I would. Despite the heartaches, despite the difficulty, I would. Because this was my scenic route. I've seen things and experienced things that many have not. But that's because God took me down this scenic route, the difficult route. Now the fourth reason why God would take us down the, wrong, the, the long route is this. He leads us in his paths. He leads us in his paths. 
okay? And, and the fourth thing is this. The scenic route is the most beautiful one. In the end, it's the most beautiful one. All right? And we're still talking about God's part. It's the most beautiful one. The end experience is always worth the ride there. The end experience is always worth the ride there. There's another way to Hannah. An easier, more direct route is by helicopter. Some people do that. You pay through your nose and you get taken there by helicopter. It's beautiful from the air, yes. It's lovely, it's beautiful. But those who have taken the journey by road would come back and tell you it's nothing like going by road. <clears throat> because you get to stop, you get to see, you get to experience, you get to go off the beaten track and do a little trek, you know, a little hike, you know, up the mountain or down the slope or something like that. It's, it's just amazing. The end experience is always worth the ride there. And the same thing, I, I look back, as, as I said, in my own life, and I, why Lord, why Lord, why Lord? And I know this, that despite some of the things that I've gone through, you have gone through this, I, I'm, I'm not alone in experiencing difficult times, I'm sure you have. But you know what, what keeps me going, what keeps us all going, I, I, I reckon is this, one day we would hear God say, well done. You good and faithful servant. Enter you now into my joy. Enter into your joy. And that makes the whole trip worth it. By the end, by the time you reach there, you would have had all that experience and you would have become. You would have become the man or the woman God intended you to become. And then you hear those words. And it always was. So the, the scenic route may be the most difficult, it may be the, the longer one, most uncomfortable one, but it's always the most beautiful one. So we've looked at these four points, all right? God frees us from our past. He closes the doors for our protection. He equips us for our purpose. And He leads us in His paths. So now, what do we make of this? We're closing now. What do we make of this? What do we make of this? I just have four points. Very quick, four points. What do we make of this? As we look at this very familiar passage, sometimes missing out on this little thing that God could have taken them down this easy, direct path, but He didn't. He chose the longer route. What do we make of it? Number one, it's all about the poise, not the pace. It is not how fast you go, how fast you go down this road. It's not how quickly you develop as a Christian, how quickly you, you, you move on to your ministries and move on to your calling. It's not about the pace. It's about the poise, the posture as you develop. Sometimes God takes us down the longer route because He needs you to develop. You may think you're ready. They came out of Egypt like an army. But God knew they were not ready for battles yet. And so He avoided the Philistines. You may think you're ready. But could you trust God to know if you're ready or not? Sometimes the longer route is because God knows. You're not ready. God knows I'm not ready. So, so Stephen, you may be the senior pastor, but listen, this task, I need time to prepare you. You're not ready. 
So it's all about the poise, not the pace. We think the faster I get on to this, the more years I have to be able to complete my task. No. Jesus only needed three years to complete his task. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it was Jesus who said, John chapter 17, he said, I have brought you glory. He told his father when he was praying, he said, I brought you glory by completing the tasks that you have given me. I want to be able to say that at the end of my life. That's my life verse. John 14, uh, 17, 4. I have brought you glory by completing the tasks you have given me. He only needed three years. So it's not about the pace, but it's about the posture. It's about the poise. Number two, it's all about the promises, not the pitfalls. In the longer route, you will come up against pitfalls. The road is bumpy. It's uncomfortable. There are potholes. There are landslides. There are all kinds of things. The bridge may be worn out, uh, washed away, whatever it is. But don't focus on the pitfalls. All right? The pitfalls are there for a reason. To build you, to strengthen you, to, to, to train you to have faith, grow your faith so that you begin to trust God. Because along with those pitfalls, they are a catalog of promises that we can build our lives on. All right? Catalog of promises. It's all about the promises. And if we focus on the promises, we overcome the pitfalls. Number three. It's all about the passage, not the place. This is not about the destination. It's about your destiny. It's about the journey. It's not, it's not about where you're headed. It's about who you're becoming, who you are. And that's absolutely critical and crucial. So I can tell you this. Even if you're taken down the more scenic route, the more difficult route, the longer route, enjoy the passage. Enjoy the journey. Because it's about the passage, not about the place. You have in your mind, God may have put it in your heart, put it in your mind, where you want to go, what you want to become. And God says, okay, if that's where you want to go, this is how you go. There. I'm going to lead you this way. And it's always the more scenic route. But along the way, you develop, you become. And finally, it's all about the prize, not the price. The children of Israel, every time they came up with this obstacle, why did you bring us out to die in the desert? We cannot, we should have never left Egypt. I mean, earlier they said we want to go back and be their slaves. When the Red Sea closed after them, they knew they couldn't go back, but they would grumble this way, we should never have come out. Because they, they feel that they are paying too high a price. But it was never about the price that you are paying. It's always about the price that was awaiting them at the end. That was the price, that you would have your place, you would have your land, you would have your freedom, you would be God's people, God will stay with you, He will reside with you, you will have your temple, you would be my people as an example to the entire world. And we are like that, we are the church, we've been called out. Ecclesia means a people called out from the world. And God is making us, God has made us His people and making us an example, a light, a city that is on a hill. God is making us into a people so that the others looking at us would know, wow, that's what I want to be because this is the, God is making us His people. And we know that one day, what awaits us one day, we know that. 
In the meantime, we, 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 we thank God for this journey. We thank God for this passage that God is taking us, the scenic route that he's putting us through. We thank God for that, but we know, just as the people who travel uh, to Hannah and all the twists and turns and the little narrow bridges and, and the sheer drop of a few hundred meters down on the left of them and, and all of that, uh, when they reach Hannah and they look at the beauty of the pillow, wow, it's worth this. It's worth this. That's the price that awaits us. The price you have to pay, that's nothing. So it's all about the price, not the price. And this is why God takes us down the longer route. Now this morning, if you're going through a difficult time, stop and thank God for the scenic route. Tell Him, Lord, I submit to your ways, your plans for me. It's not about my past, it's about who I am today. I have a new identity. And Lord, even if it's difficult, even if the ride's bumpy, I will submit to you because you know best. Just like us, the tour guide knows best, the tour director knows best. Can't we get to the next city earlier? No, this, you will miss this. Don't miss this. And then you come away and say, wow, I'm glad I did that. I had that stop. Glad I went off that road and went into this place and saw this. I have a lifetime of memories up here. And that's what will happen at the end of the, our life. We look back and we say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. And now there awaits me my prize. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God for that. Let's bow our heads together. Let's bow our heads. God has given us this amazing journey. And Lord, we want to say thank you so much, Lord, for calling us out of our slavery, making us your people. Thank you for the journey that you've put us on. And Lord, I pray that we embrace our journey and embrace our identity and put our faith and trust in you that although you take us down the longer route, and more difficult route. In the end, that is the route that would take us. That's the route that would make us and take us to the place of our calling. This longer route would be the place where we become. This longer route would be the place where we develop. And this longer route will leave us a lifetime of fulfillment because we have allowed you to be our guide. So we give you thanks and we give you praise, Lord. And right now we pray that even as we step into a new week, that your spirit would go before us. Help us, Lord, to submit to your ways and walk down our week ready for any challenge that would come, knowing that these challenges are there for our making not for our breaking, that we would never long to go back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we are your people. And all of God's people say, Amen.